Welcome to the Imperfectly Perfect Campaign, sharing real-life stories from real people to unite them in global change for the face of mental health. We will also reduce the stigma, creating communication, healing, and awareness to save lives and inspire. Join us weekly as we talk to some of the highly acclaimed faces, influencers, experts, and others who have been through extreme adversity. All right, guys, so welcome to another episode of the Imperfectly Perfect podcast, where each week I'm joined by some of the world's most renowned faces in the entertainment industry, on the sports field, and corporate leaders sharing their own truths and their personal journeys. Malachi Zelezniak is a former rugby league footballer who paid, played for the Penrith Panthers in two separate spells and the West Tigers in the NRL and also briefly played rugby union for the New South Wales Country Eagles in the National Rugby Championship. This year on the 21st of January 2021, he announced his immediate retirement from rugby league due to acute kidney failure and associated complications and said... I got to fulfill a lifelong dream of mine to play in the NRL and to do it with my little bro. It will always be something special. I debuted alongside my brother when it all started and I'll retire next to him. I couldn't think of a better ending. He's the father of two, a watch brand owner, and now he's a fully fledged entrepreneur in the world of business. So first and foremost, welcome to the show, mate. No, thanks for having me, Glenn. I feel honored to be here and a part of your podcast. You're welcome, man. And and it's so funny. I just want to take you back to <laughs> take our audience a bit of backstory. I found you on Instagram when people was trying to get free watches out here. So we're going to move into your watch. But my journey in terms of entrepreneurship and how hard it is, everyone's going to be thinking, Malachi, we're going to talk about his awesome career in football. What I like to do is find about the person behind that profession and everything further on. But like that, in a sense, it just made me laugh when I saw your post. And it was like people just trying to get freebies off you. And that entrepreneurship is probably one of the hardest things ever, isn't it? Oh, definitely. Like, I'm, I'm just like you said, you know, um, you know, my, my whole background is footy, obviously. Um, I grew up playing footy and um, I played it professionally. But um, taking that step into entrepreneurship and starting my own watch business with my brother and um, taking that next step or, or that next step in my journey, um, I slowly found out that there was a lot of um, stragglers that came out of the world the woodworks and you know we're asking for free watches or um can i get it for free and it wasn't until i retired that i truly realized that um i guess you find out who your true friends are and also um the people that do that do come out of the, the woodworks and expect a free watch or a free product uh, when they don't quite understand the hard work or the sacrifices that go behind the scene scenes to start a business or, or to continue to manage and, 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 and grow the business. So um, I have a bit of a laugh about it. Uh, when, when they do ask for a free watch, I say, well, now that you've asked for a free watch, I'm going to charge you double um, and then just have a laugh about it and throw it off. But um, yeah, it's, it's um, definitely a different journey for me. Um, different to footy, like footy, everything's put on a platter for you. Um, entrepreneurship, you obviously, um, there's a lot of, um, it's a roller coaster. There's a lot of downs and there's a lot of ups and um, yeah. I've, I'm slowly uh, finding out and figuring that out for myself. So I want to, I do want to give a, a background to our listeners. So obviously Malachi, who is Malachi? And I do my research and obviously from a young age, three to four, it was always, it was always footy. You was always into sports. So can you take us through that process? And one of the things that I did hear, which if you're open to talk about is that ultimate moment, which we were speaking a little bit before when I was talking about a wake up call for me. And I was like, Oh, the big man upstairs, God may be telling me something when you 
went to the bathroom and, and, and you prompted to tell your brother something. So if you can just run us through a baseline of your background, what got you into football and how you loved it and how you ultimately made that decision to retire. Yeah, so um, I started playing footy at the age of four. My kuro, my grandfather back in New Zealand, started his own rugby league club uh, called College Old Boys. So our great-grandfather, Steve Watane, uh, he was a, uh, he played for the Kiwis back in the – this is going to test my memory – back in the 70s or 80s. I'm not, I'm not quite sure, so don't quote me on it. But, um, <laughs> you know, he played for the Kiwis. He played first grade. Um, he was the first Māori to captain the Kiwis. Um, so Dal and I come from a rich heritage, um, you know, like a footy background, and we've been blessed that he's passed that on to um, to the both of us. So since a young age, footy's pretty much been um, been put put through us, and and throughout the years, we slowly played um, local footy. We moved over here in two thousand and uh, to Australia in two thousand, uh, where we continued to play footy. And it wasn't until under twelves when rep footy started happening, where uh, for Panthers, obviously, you make development teams throughout the years from under twelves all the way up to twenties and then first grade. Mm-hmm. Um, so throughout the years, played played um development footy, uh, made under sixteen Harold Matthews, um, SU ball under eighteens, and then went on to play twenties that year and played three years of twenties, and then went into uh, first grade in my full first first um my full full-time contract um I got a rude shock there um I thought you know making all these rep teams throughout the um throughout my years I thought uh first grade would just land on my um land on my lap and I didn't really have to work hard for it I thought yep that's it I got my first grade contract I'm gonna be playing next year um uh, kind of got a, a a big head and I let it get to me and um I I, I got a rude shock I turned up to preseason unfit <laughs> Um, I, I ate Maccas pretty much every second day during the off season. Um, so I turned up for testing. My skin folds were through the roof. Um, I was coming at the back of the pack during fitness and I ended up getting cut just before Christmas. So just before Christmas, I got cut from the squad and, uh, that was just a big, big wake up call for me. Um, and it kind of was, it was a bit of a shock to my system. And it took me a couple of years to finally realize that, you know, it's not just going to take talent to make it. It's going to be hard work. Um, and I ended up debuting at 25, um, which I was grateful for. I was able to debut alongside Dow. Dow played centre. I was on the wing outside of him. Um, and then, yeah, and then I had five years in first grade and um, I'm now retired. So at the start of the year, I'll take you back to, um, I guess, that wake-up call or I guess that that message from God where um, I'd gone to the Bulldogs to, to start training before Christmas. Um, I went straight back into training um, me being me, not listening to my body, I just kept training through it, just working hard. Um, and my body ended up shutting down on me. And um, I was overworking myself and the muscle damage uh, ended up clogging my kidney. So I remember the specific day on Thursday, I just finished the field session. Um, it was contact fitness on the field. And I came off the field and I went to the bathroom and ended up um, peeing blood. And um, I was like, oh, you know what? I don't think it's blood. I think I'm just a bit dehydrated. I'll be fine. Um, anyway, chugged down three liters of water in between field, and then I was heading into weight. So got through my weights fine. Uh, I was felt like I felt a little lightheaded, but nothing too bad. Um, I then went to the toilet again, and then I I um, peed blood again, and um, that was kind of concerning. Then I was like, you know what? I can't afford to to you know like pull out of training. I've got to keep training hard. I've got to keep pushing. Um, for a spot um, as an athlete always thinks uh, um, 
And then it wasn't until the end of the day. So after our team meeting to conclude the day, we were walking outside to our cars and I just briefly mentioned it to Dow. I said, Dow, you know what? I, I think I passed blood when I went to the toilet. And he's like, what, you did? I was like, yeah, but it'd be fine. It'd be all right. And he's like, no, nah, I'm going back in and telling our physio. So he, I was like, no, no, don't Dow. It's fine. Like, like I need to push for a spot. Um, and then he went back in, told our physio, uh, long story short, the physio called our doctor. Doctor said, you're not training for 24 hours. And, you know, me being not understanding that, I was frustrated and I was angry saying, like, why? Like, I need to train. I need to train. And um, it wasn't until I got a call the next day. I went and done my bloods in the morning and I got a call at midnight that night. Um, and it was, a it was a doctor calling me to say, go straight to hospital because um, you, your kidneys are shutting down. Uh, so I went to the hospital. Um, still felt fine. Like I didn't. I didn't feel any drastic symptoms. Um, and then I got there, and the the um, the specialist, the um, specialist there said that like he he can't understand like with my blood levels and muscle damage so high, he didn't understand how I was still standing or functioning. Um, he just said I've never seen levels like this before. He said if you had trained today, your heart would have gone and you would have passed away on the field. And that was a big wake-up call to me. And, and um, yeah, I guess ever since that day, I've learned to listen to my body and um, not try and, you know, push myself too much. Whoa, that's – to even even go past the surface level of, of those kind of conversations, because you've obviously said it in a lot of interviews now, so it, like, rolls off your tongue. But that going through that, man, like, must have scared you as well, like, someone was looking yeah. out for you that day from mentioning it to your brother and your brother just like, we need to go and get this checked out. Cause as we know, mental health, when it comes to males and anything like that health, they're like, it'll be fine. I'll brush it off. Yeah, exactly. hundred percent. Like I had that same mentality and um, you know, I had that same mentality throughout my whole career. It was like, you know what? It's just a bit of pain. Just push through it. Um, push your body to the limit. It's good. Pain's good. It means you're working hard. It means you know you're getting better. You're getting stronger. All that, all that mentality. And um, I guess, like exactly like you said, it's just, like it was a big wake up call to me to you know make me realize that I'm not invincible. Uh, that my body's not invincible, and that um, I do need to listen to it. And um, I was lucky. Someone was looking after me that day. And and um, you know I'm I'm just grateful. I'm I'm here and, I, and I'm able to be here. Yeah, man. That's just. Oh, mind-blowing that story, man. I was like, the first time I heard it, like I heard it secondhand, obviously, on an interview you did, but like how you explain it. Now, when you move forward, you obviously, the thing with professional athletes and players, and I've spoken to a lot and know a lot now through this, is that they all speak about, it's kind of when you're not born, but when you go into this, and like you said, from three years old, four years old, it's everything you've known. So it's almost like your identity becomes associated with this one thing. And then when you retire, we often see a lot of players going through a lot of breakdowns, mental health, because they don't know what else they're going to do. When you got to that spot and you knew you've got this highlighted career and now you're like faced with what do I do next? What was that thought process of I'm going to try my hand at entrepreneurship? Yeah. Um, see, I'm, I'm lucky. Um, I definitely felt what what you definitely explained just then, but it was only for a couple of days. So mm. I was lucky we started this business in 2018. So we were slowly working behind the scenes. Obviously, you know, sporting takes up 
100% of our attention. So we it was kind of on the back burner, just slowly growing uh, by itself. And we were pretty much putting minimal work into it. But I'm so grateful that we started back then because I was able to transition straight from uh, retiring from footy unexpectedly and going straight into the business and transitioning into that. But I specifically remember the first two days, you know, I said to myself, you know what, I'm not going to touch the business for two weeks. I'm just going to do nothing and I'm just going to rest, retire, um, soak up the retirement. And I remember after the second day, my mind just went crazy. I was like, you know what, this is like, what do I do? Like, I feel lost. I feel, you know, I'm used to being told what to do every day. I have a you know, strict schedule, a regime. I get told what to eat, how to think, um, all this, um, I guess, structure in my life to kind of having nothing. And I remember just sitting on the couch on that second day going, what do I do now? Like, I feel lost. And then I decided on that third day to go into the business, just put my head straight into the business, uh, start working on it, getting my routine back into, um, like getting my routine uh, routine back. Um, and I was able to kind of distract my mind or keep me or keep myself focused on something to help me get over feeling that void of, 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 um, I guess, footy or being an athlete. So yeah. I'm grateful I've got it. Um, I can definitely see a lot like why a lot of athletes do um, get mental health problems when they retire because um, you're just so used to, you know, like I explained earlier, you're, you're so used to being in something so structured and to be taken out of that straight away, you you feel lost. You feel, um, you feel like you want to go back into that same environment because, um, you know, just because of those feelings. So I'm so grateful I've got the business. I'm so grateful I've got a, a supporting family that's been there for me and um, has helped me along the way. So, yeah, I'm, I'm very grateful. One of the things I wanted to touch on there was when, when it comes to entrepreneurship and anyone that's gone down that route. So one of my really good mates over in the US, Steve Orozco, he's, he's around big sports people, athletes. He's got a successful business. And one of the things he said, which you seem to have done right there, is obviously you're in the business, so it's easier to transition. And he says what a lot of people do forget is that when you have got a name or a public profile and you are in front of investors and potential people, that is the time when you need to really capture and hone business skills. So I suppose when you have got a regimented structure, like you say, you're getting told what to eat, you're getting training, this, that, and the other. Are there actually people outside of that or within that scope that actually teach you about entrepreneurship, like finances, what to do with your money, what to, is, is that kind of in the scope of other than managers about the team and what's happening with the game? Yeah. So another thing I've been lucky as well is that my player manager, I was really close to him. He's, he's, helped guided me throughout my career. Um, he helped get me um, into first grade with different teams, but he focused a lot about off-field stuff. He didn't just focus on-field because he he realised that if the players looked after off-field, um, you know, family, whatever it is off the field, they're going to perform on the field. And he was a big believer in that. He was also a big believer on um, doing something, uh, study, uh, working on, um, a trade or something behind the scenes that when you do retire, you've got some, something to fall back on. And, and he really encouraged starting the business and he was real. Uh, he helped me out throughout that same process. Uh, they, we do have welfare officers within the, um, within each club where they talk about career paths and um, uh, what avenues you want to take. But I guess it's a little hard when you're so focused on, on being an athlete and you're so, um, zoned in on winning that premiership at, at the end of the year or becoming a better player, um, improving your skills that you you tend to forget about, you know, setting yourself up 
draft the um, footy. I was lucky I did. Um, yeah. But there's a lot of players there that, you know, you've just got blinkers on to to be the best or, you know, be the best athlete you can. And um, unfortunately, a lot of boys don't think, all, all, all women think about um, careers after their sport or during their sport. So, um, yeah, I've been lucky enough again, grateful that I've had people around me to really get myself thinking about starting a business while I was playing and um, thinking about that plan B. Yeah, love that. Love that supportive network. And then, so tell us why watches. Where did the love for watches come? Yeah, so I grew up, um, I had a watch collection. I loved watches growing up. Um, nothing too fancy. No, no Rolexes, obviously. I didn't have the money to buy a Rolex or tag or anything like that. But um, but I always loved watches, um, your mid-range watches. So I had a bit of a collection there. And I always wanted to start a business. I, I kind of, um, I think you'd say, you know, I kind of had that entrepreneurship at a younger age where, you know, I always wanted to work for myself, I, you know, I worked nine to five, plenty of jobs, but it just wasn't for me. I like I wanted to work for myself, be my own boss. And I guess uh, when I wasn't footy, just like you said, leveraging my, our our last name and our sporting uh, profile to you know start something, anything. I wasn't sure about watches at the time. Um, I just wanted to start a business. And my wife said, "Well, you love watches. Why don't you start your own watch company?" And I said, "Oh, true. I, you know, I never really thought about it then." I got researching, um, took me about a month to research back and forth, find some manufacturers. And then we ended up jumping on the plane, going over and visiting 10 manufacturers over in China to check the quality, uh, workmanship, uh, the equipment that they use, everything like that. And that was a blast. Um, ever since then, we pretty much just um, hit our strides and, um, yeah, kept kept going from there. Wow. And I- and I do suppose, like, there, there will be people, and this is one of the big things with the Imperfectly Perfect campaign about destigmatizing the whole thing about people who have got a profile or we aspire to be or look up to like on an external, some people along the journey may look at people like yourself or others and go, well, it's easy for them because they've got a platform. They've got this, that, and the other, but on the flip side, what is it like for somebody who has got a profile who's stepping out into an unknown territory of entrepreneurship, knowing it could well easily fail like any entrepreneurial thing and being in the public eye. So I'm trying to make people think about it a different way. So what is it like to be in that position, I suppose? Yeah, exactly what you said. Like I definitely, like like I say to everyone, I'm definitely grateful that I've had the platform, that me and Dow have had the platform to be able to get our name, our brand out there. And I've used, you know, um, all the news networks, interviews, stuff like that. And that's definitely 100% helped our business. And I'm grateful for that. But then just like you said, there's that flip side. There's that pressure to be like, you know what, we are using our last name. Um, you know, we are in the public eye. You know, if it's a fail, then it's a fail on you. It's a fail on, um, I guess, your brand, your identity. We are using our last name as well. So that's another pressure on top of it. So I guess you'd look at it as a different type of pressure that, you know, some people would or wouldn't. And just like you said, like we're athletes first. We're, we, we never, you know, we spent our 10 years studying the craft of being an athlete and being a footy player, whereas, you know, we could have had that 10 years to, you know, study business, study economics, study something, entrepreneurship, something to, to help us along that line. But we unfortunately chose a different path and uh, we don't have the experience like most do, um, but we're doing our best and we're learning from it. And um, I guess it's a different type of, I guess, pressure and hard that other people may, may, may feel when they're starting off or starting their own business. Yeah. And, and with what you're doing, you've chosen, obviously, something that's high high on the list for men as an accessory, which is great. But I suppose moving into that journey, everything that comes with it, it I suppose it's a highly competitive market as well. 
how did you and your brother then drown out the noise to get the best of what you've done? And because we're on video and we'll put it on YouTube, I keep seeing it flashing across the screen and it looks nice that watch, mate. <laughs> it's like the way he's positioning his hand, guys, is just so I can see it on screen. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly, just itchy. But um, yeah, how did you go through that process? Because obviously the big thing is like, I want this episode to obviously be about your amazing career and everything that you're moving forward with. But any listeners taking something away, that entrepreneurship, a lot of people fall into that comparison syndrome and this competitive nature. And as a professional athlete, I suppose you drown out that competitive nature through your opposition. How were you both able to do that as brothers collectively to drown out the noise of such a highly competitive market? Yeah, exactly what you said. Like you, you have to drown out the noise. Like, you're always going to hear the negative. It's exactly like being an athlete. Like you're going to get negative people that comment negatively on, on your performance, which is what you're, to, what you're to be expected as a player or as an athlete. But we just applied that the same with with um, our businesses is that we just drowned out the outside noise and we just did us. Like we wanted our brand to look a certain way um, to tell our story and to show it across our, our brand, our watches. Um, and so we just drowned everything out, you know, we could have done things differently, like advertising differently, um, you know, our socials differently. But Dale and I, as you said, we just put the blinkers on. We wanted to do our brand the way we you know, that we wanted to do it. And um, we'll attract the customers that love our brand, love our story, love love us, um, support us and, and, and get behind us. And as long as we're catering to them, um, you know, they're going to come and, 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 like you were saying before, we just want to be authentic. Um, mm. Dow and I are who we are, and it shows through our brand. We're, we're, we're just genuine guys. We didn't come from much. We came from humble beginnings, and um, I guess we like to do things our way. And some people may not like it, um, but but that's just the way that we like to uh, move our, our company in that direction. So um, just like you said, just 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 blink uh, having the blinkers on and cutting that outside noise definitely helps us be able to focus on what we want to do. But I just want to touch on something you said there with, with your story, because as brothers and as being together for so long, what is that story? Because everyone who brings out a product or something like that has a personal attachment. And I suppose you and your brother have been through, through so much together. Tell us about your watch. Like, I want everyone to know about, like, there's a the clear story there. Yeah, so Dale and I, so when we first started this business, we wanted to use our last name. Obviously, um, we wanted to use it because everyone recognised our our last name here in Australia and, and um, New Zealand. So we thought, why not use W's Lesnar? Because Lesnar is a Polish brand. It's got that European um, sound to it. So we thought, you know what, we'll just use that. Um, and we wanted to kind of bring what Dow and I did on the field and put it into something off the field. You know, forging our legacy into our timepieces um, that we wanted. You know, our, our customers that to not only just buy the watch for the sake of buying a, a watch, but to also, you know, be able to have a piece of us in their watch, our last name and wear it with pride. And um, I guess, guess that's what drives Dale and I is to, you know, bring out um, nice watches that, that, that everyone wants to um, wear. And I just, I remember there's distinct moments throughout our career while we were still playing and had the watches where fans would come up to us so excited. You can see the excitement on their face and just show their watch and say, look, I've got one of your watches. It's amazing. I love it. Um, and just seeing them wear, wear our name with pride, it, it just honestly, it, it just 
it, it, it motivates us to want to just keep going, um, wanting to get better, wanting to improve our products, make them better for um, people when they're wearing it, you know, that they still get that sense of um, pride, excitement, um, and not just wearing a watch, but wearing Dell and I with them. So, that's, yeah, that's kind of where we wanted to to, to move our brand towards. Legacy through timepiece. Um, just put your watch up to the camera. Is there a purple? Is it, it got a purple blend? Like, a, yeah, yeah, man, that's, that's stunning. I would um, I would normally ask if you can send me a free one, but uh, <laughs> I'm joking. I've got you covered. You send me address after this. I'll charge I'll you. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it this is limited edition watch. So, so like, I'm just going on that same topic. Yep. Dale and I are just starting limited edition watches where we want to be able to bring out. Um, you know, n- not just Dell and I's limited edition watches, but, you know, different players, different, um, you know, people with influence uh, throughout Australia where, you know, their their community are able to wear their watch, their particular style mm. and be proud to wear them. And, you know, that, that, like each player, each person has their own legacy. And we just want to be able to put that through a watch and give it to their their um, their loyal fans or loyal customers. And um, I guess that's where we're kind of heading with our brand. And, um, yeah, we're... We're excited for the future. It's like pass it, passing that baton on, mate. Pass it to your kids as well. Your kids design them when they're old enough, mate. That'd be awesome. So tell me then, what has been the biggest hurdles on entrepreneurship? So the biggest hurdle, um, so we we just brought on a uh, digital marketing agency at the start of the year. Um, that's probably been our biggest hurdle is, I guess, giving the reins over to someone to take over and to um, kind of know your brand and, you know, show our customers um, who we are. And, um, you know, the past six months have been pretty rough with them. They, they, they didn't know um, us. They didn't know Dow and I, and obviously that's, that's obviously because they're not Dow and I, um, but it showed through, you know, the ads that they ran, um, you know, different interactions with our customers and stuff like that. It just wasn't the same. And I guess, uh, the biggest lesson that we learned is, you know, not to just trust anyone in business. You can come along, along, you know, where you can get taken for a ride, which we did. And we're so glad that we did. Um, a lot of money wasted, but uh, we're grateful that we learned that lesson. And, and I'm a big believer that everything happens for a reason. And um, that's, that, that's happened for a reason. And now when we come to, you know, different business meetings and stuff like that, we won't be so trustworthy. Uh, worthy would you know ask a few more questions and 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 um, kind of dig a little bit deeper instead of just taking kind of face value so that's probably been our biggest hurdle uh, so far is uh, financially and um, also taking a back step with our branding and stuff like that but um, it's a lesson learned and it's definitely one that we that we're definitely grateful that we went through because we've learned a lot it's it's when you say that it, it makes me kind of laugh and think of my journey because I'm I'm from Yorkshire and I know you're from New Zealand that background there I lived in New Zealand for like two and a half years and was around a lot of new uh, Kiwi families and that and Yorkshire is very the same you do tend to take people on face value because it's like love your neighbour if they need something you'll be there for them like it's a door open policy kind of thing and then when it moves into business even with this campaign people come along and they're like oh we want to do do, do." and you're like this person's my words this person's lovely if you ever hear me say lovely I know that I'm going to take advantage of or I'm going to be taking it I'm like so yeah I totally get it man because it's just literally like you just you don't see it coming but then if you like you said you learn it as a lesson it makes you grow biggest question is yes you're very close with your brother but being on the field and then being in business and being in each other's pocket, 
how have you got through business frustration with someone so close? <laughs> yeah, well, I get asked this all the time. And um, I guess the, the um, good thing about this is that, um, you know, when we were playing footy, it kind of, I, I took them, a lot of the roles, like I was in and out of first grade, so I had plenty of time to kind of spend um, when I wasn't playing first grade that week or, um, you know, for the past two weeks, like I was in and out. So I was able to spend a lot more time in the business than Dow. Um, I guess the the kind of blessing in there is that Dow's focused 100% on footy. Like even now, like I'm running the business, I'm taking care of it, I'm doing a lot of the work, which I enjoy now. Um, so we haven't really had to work closely together, yeah, side by side, like training's easy. Like you said, like we train, do weights, run, um, fitness together. That's, that's easy. But sitting at a desk, you know, eight hours a day or eight hours <laughs> plus a day, um, we'll, it'll probably test us or Get test our patients. So, um, we haven't come across that yet. Dale's still focused on footy. Uh, he's still got, uh, uh, you know, like years ahead of him before he retires. So in the meantime, I'm taking over that. And um, like I call him pretty much every day, if not every second day, just keeping him up to date, telling him what's happening with the business and stuff like that. So uh, we haven't run into any problems yet, but in the future, <laughs> I, can't, I can't guarantee that. Well, last two questions for you. And ask everyone who comes on the campaign with this, through all your lessons that you've learned and through everything you went with, uh, obviously finding out what happened to you and retirement and everything else, what does being imperfectly perfect mean to you? Good question. Being imperfectly perfect. Um, I guess I kind of spin that around and, you know, I, I'm a big believer that, that not everyone is perfect. I think everyone's got flaws. Everyone, you know, everyone has different challenges. Everyone has different pressures in life. And um, there is no perfect to me. You know, if you were to show me the perfect person, I wouldn't believe it. Uh, you know, every like, like I say, no one's perfect. And I guess you just have to deal with what you have. And I guess perfect to me or imperfectly perfect to me is, um, you know, being able to get up every day, get through my day, um, tick off every box that I can throughout the day um, and have a smile at the end of it and know that, you know, I've done something today and I'm happy. Um, and, and that's how I would probably judge it myself. Beautiful, man. Last question then. So, You've had this amazing career highlights in football. You've moved into a business. You're in the corporate world now with, with your products and everything. For anybody who's listening, you've got a lot of fans out there in terms of your career in both aspects. What would you say to someone that's aspiring to be or maybe in the profession that you are that may see nothing further on? What is kind of your legacy and your words of advice from a personal experience, should I say, that you'd like to impart? Well, um that's a good question. And, and, and I've learned that, like I've gone through that in my life, uh, my whole life. And it was, it was the same story just before I debuted with first grade. I, you know, there were so many times where I told you I got set back and it took me a couple of years to realize hard work. Um, like it, it, it actually requires hard work to actually make and be successful. And I remember that, you know, there was about two weeks before I debuted and I got my shot at first grade and I thought in my head, you know what, it's just too hard. You know, should I, you know, I should just give up now. You know, I'm I'm digging into my savings. Um, I could be doing some shift work to cover to provide for my wife and my kid at the um at the time. And I remember two weeks before I debuted, I was I was I was having doubts in my head. And um, you know, I was reassured by my wife. She was amazing, supportive. Um, and you know, I I was grateful. I debuted two weeks. Uh, later and you know if I had taken or I, if I had listened to my advice and given up and thought you know what um, 
it's all too hard. I'm not going to do it anymore. Um, I probably would have never played first grade. I'd probably be, uh, who knows where I'd be. But um, it's, it's just the same for um, business. Just like you said, um, you know, you're, you're thinking it's hard now, but you just don't know how close you are. Like you just don't know how close you are to success. And, you know, success can happen like that. And uh, you just have to be ready for it. You just got to work hard, keep your head down and keep going. Because uh, just like I said, you don't know how close you are to success. Man, that's awesome. Where can people find out more information about you and where can they get these uh, pretty nice watches, mate? <laughs> uh, yeah, so you can head, head over to my socials, um, Malachi Watton is Lesniak, and then we've also got my watch page on there as well that you guys will be able to find out um, a bit more about our brand, uh, read a bit more into what we put through or put into our timepieces. And uh, yeah, if you like what we have, uh, be, you're, you guys are more than welcome to buy one. <laughs> you know i was just thinking when i said that before i'm like how many podcasts has he done how many shows and i bet he's had that all the time cheeky little sneakings <laughs> where going yeah 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 i bet that's been like said it. before it's like one of those questions what do you hate being asked that fucking question <laughs> but man i just want to say on behalf of the campaign on behalf of everything that you do mate your advocacy towards it and coming straight on um i just want to say thank you mate for all you do and guys i'm going to put all the links up to malachi so you can find it you can find out access to where you can find his um his watches and and access to him but until next time guys please keep having the hard conversations go past the surface levels because it's the hard conversations that truly do save lives To find out more about the Imperfectly Perfect campaign and how you can get involved, simply head to our official website at imperfectlyperfectcampaign.org or email us today at info at imperfectlyperfectcampaign.org to speak to one of the team. The Imperfectly Perfect campaign is creating awareness and is not a substitute for professional advice. Should you need help, please refer to your nearest crisis number.